how many wipes it takes for me to get his ass. And he's wiping his own ass now a lot of times. And I'm sometimes like, let me check you based on the time that he spends in the toilet. Like, is it a, is it a mud butt? Is it a dry shit? No problem. Is it a ghost poop? Like all these things. I'm the control okay. compared to me. And I'm not good with my butt. Like my, my shit's a fucking mess. Yeah. I have but, Crohn's disease. Me too. So yeah. I, right. I don't really have any problem with mine. I just like I, I will spray my ass with the with the with the bidet for ten minutes, and I still have you know three pounds of shit to clean up. And you said there were no kinky Jews. I'm Don Hall, and I'm David Himmel, and this is the Literate Apecast. David get a little saucy, so be forewarned, your sensitivity is not their problem. The Literate Ape Cast is for people who can handle both their liquor and their gag reflex. This is a, a gentleman that I met, oh God, some 30 years ago in Chicago theater. He did shows with WNEP in the heyday of that um, he is what he says he's an actor director playwright with 30 years of experience and have, has served as artistic director for four professional theaters across the country very new to academia as a professor of theater in saint george utah this is brandon <laughs> bruce that's well, the, the best brandon bruce i've ever I- had in my life that's the best intro because that sounded like the most insulting intro I've ever heard in my life. You, uh, you say I like, it like you you read it like it's Nestor Gomez's resume. Like I don't believe any of this bullshit. This is yeah. all fiction. I want to give it. But Brandon's resume, it to, yeah, in a world, true. I mean, like you're you're in a, a world where a, Brandon Bruce existed as an actor, director, playwright for thirty years. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon is. I mean, Brandon, you've got a, you're you've got bona fides, man. Like you've you have committed to the craft. Yeah, More unfortunately, either of us two idiot apes have done. We've bounced around. Let's try our gig at we're corporate gig and let's radio and theater and writing and we've done it all. But you've like, your your sword is sharp. Our spoon is deep, but your sword is sharp. Ooh, I like that. Sort of sharp. I'm also a fight choreographer, so that kind of helps. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I do a lot of stuff. I've, you know, you do this for long enough, you're going to do literally everything in theater, uh, everything. But yeah, no, I, I tell my so students we- all the time that if you don't question whether or not you should quit theater, uh, you're not really doing it. Um, <laughs> and I do that at least twice a year, maybe three times a year. You know, it, and I align with anything specific like your birthday or Christmas or anything or like, you know, well, double season I, of, of theater, like, you know, January or anything like that. Or is it just kind of it's it's a really dark thought. I mean, I love what I do. I do. Uh, but I think if anytime you love something, there's an edge of hate to it as well. And so I, um, you know, it. it one of the things I, I say when I'm really feeling down, because I was, you know, when I was running my last theater company, I was, I just, I, I, I got to the point because I'm very collaborative. I always tell everybody I'm very collaborative, you know, and, and all that stuff. Let someone else do your work for you. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is true. It's what I am. But well, when he um, says, one of the things that you notice, and this is, this, I didn't read this in his resume, is that when he says collaborative, he uses the Italian hands. I've been collaborative. It's the thing that you must be. You can't be, you can no longer, gone are the days of the auteur, gone are the days of uh, of being the dictatorial director, you know? Now you have to be a collaborator. So, and that's fine. Um, but um, I always say that um, collaboration is a, is a really nice word for uh, allowing people to let you down. <laughs> so I, co- I think collaborator is a really nice no, word for pushover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. Collaborate is a great word for a really nice word for. Uh, I can't abused wife. <laughs> no, that's not true. I mean, honey, you're not collaborating with me. 
even even the great Woody Allen, who did nothing wrong ever in his entire life, I don't care what anybody has ever said, except for all those things he did wrong, like potentially, don't, allegedly don't, don't rape his it. adoptive daughter. See, he did not I, do that. No, he did not do that. He was tried in two but courts. Woody Allen. Bullshit. It's bullshit. You don't get uh, to say that out loud. Stop. I'm never going to let you get past that. Why can't no, you, you try to get it? You try to let it fly because that is how shit gets. Jesus Christ. Just there, has never been, in- there has never been a person more committed to saving the life of a Jew since Schindler. You like you are Schindler's list. It's like Hall's list. Uh, give me Woody. I don't know. Is he wearing I, no, a red coat? Fine. No, I just, but, I just the think. Point, the I point just, I'm trying to make is that like, even like Woody Allen films or fuck Tarantino. Forget Woody Allen. Let's okay, talk about let's go with Tarantino because yeah, he hasn't done anything wrong yet. Well, Tarantino. <laughs> stop. I'm running out. Guys, I'm running out of directors. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tarantino has a, he's got a tone. He's got a look. He's got a sound. He's got a, every. It's a Tarantino film. Is a Tarantino that he I remember stole from everybody like, else. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He took it all in. He made it his own. It's did he? But did I, he? I can remember. I can remember in 1994 or five. It was shortly after Pulp Fiction came out. And like Tarantino was like the director Artur, right. and he directed an episode of ER, which was yeah, really? the fucking show on NBC. That's and it was right. like he did oh, that. And yeah. I was so into that show and into that. You know, must what must see TV the whole thing, and it was like Quentin Tarantino directs ER, blah 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 blah. And it's like, what's going to happen? And it was going to be like, it's going to be so gory and violent. And, blah. and I don't think I had seen any Tarantino films at that point, but it was like whatever. But I remember watching the episode and thinking, yeah, that's really close to like open lungs. <laughs> like just oh, it was wow. it was like extra. It was just extra close to the body. You was know, it also the, the really talky? Like he, because that's that's the other thing about that. Tarantino. I don't remember. That I don't remember. But yes, Tarantino's. But my point is this. Yeah, Tarantino has a feel and a sound. And a, there's a Scorsese feel. There's a, you know, Tarantino feel. But they couldn't do that without collaborating with their trusted advisors, their actors, their their directors of photography, their editors, their casting directors, all those things. So collaboration is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You just have to trust the people. Well, and I and here, give it away. There's a difference between giving it away for collaboration and having your inner circle of trust. Oh, I, I do here, fully absolutely yeah. agree with you. I'm, so I'm, here, yeah, here's my question because I understand. Of the course point. you do. Cause I'm right. I understand. I understand where you're going from David, but you're not talking about collaboration via higher education. And I think uh, I think Brandon has a unique perception because you and I haven't been to college, even though we wish we still were and where you still wish you were in college. Um, so here's my question for you, Brandon. You are a collegiate. Are you, are you like a doctor? Are you like a oh, professor? No, no, no. I'm, I'm just a professor, a professor. Professor, teacher, okay. I'm, I'm directing in theater history. So, all right. Uh, so and you, and you playwriting are, for some reason. Okay, so. you are a professor. Okay, so my perception is that most college students today are no longer in favor of free speech. In fact, if you look at the statistics, uh, most college students today are, are like overwhelmingly against the concept of solid free speech, that most are fragile little hothouse flowers utilizing the current cultural movement to gain a certain degree of power over faculty and members and this kind of stuff. So my question is, am I wrong? Is that is that what you experience, or how is your experience different from my sort of media driven bullshit that I that I live with today? <laughs> well, well, I, I'm new to academia. You know, I, I just got out of the professional world right when COVID hit because my job got killed uh, because of COVID. But wait, what um, was what, got, what was what was the uh, job? Wait, who got killed? No, my job was killed. Basically. Oh, your job was. Killed. I was Jeez, the I... executive artistic director of the Birmingham <laughs> Children's Theater, which is the Nation's I, second oldest professor. Like, I just, you know, my dad got killed because of COVID, and this. I don't know. The fuck, that's what I heard. No, job, okay. job, yeah. No, no, so no, you no. were. You were that, it's a long good. story that your listeners won't care about. But my is your dad okay? Oh, my dad's fine. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's old. Right. But he's fine. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. Uh. But yeah. Anyway. What was I just talking about? Oh yeah. So I, I I thought I actually thought about a lot about this today because you know I even asked my students because. I teach theater history and, and theater history in general, it goes in waves of 
being very, very, it goes to waves of being very conservative. And then it goes in waves of being very, I I guess, liberal in the sense of uh, being very open-minded and pushing the envelope as much as possible. And I keep showing this to my students because you can see it like, you know, uh, I'm going to get, I know that you love this, David, because I've listened to so many podcasts that you just love talking about Shakespeare, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, Go on. but Shakespeare's period was a very open-minded and very cutting edge period. And then in come the, the Puritans who shut down theater. They, 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 they kill it for like 20 years. And then, and back comes theater and it's dirtier and filthier than it's ever been during the restoration yeah. period. And then here in comes the 1700s in the 18th century. And people are like, okay, we were too dirty and we were too filthy. We got to pull everything back. And then we get into the 1800s and in comes melodrama and get shit goes crazy. gets really, really wild. And they start killing people on stage. And you have the grand guignol where we actually have the birth of modern horror happening in, in Paris and then, you know, it kind of goes, it dips a little bit more and then it comes back out, especially after World War One, when, you know, people are like, right, we got to push the envelope even more as far as we possibly can. And then it dipped a little bit in the 70s and then it came back up a little bit in the 80s. You know what I mean? It just keeps dipping and, and ebbing and flowing. And I asked my students, like, what do you think? Where do you think we are right now? And they all in unison said, we're in a very conservative period. So, so let me ask this. I, so at- I think you said after World War One, things got weirder or the, the oh, horror. Well, yeah, the, like, ask Don Hall about that. <laughs> well, so, but I don't want Dada. to. Um, surrealism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 so the surrealism, the Dada aspect of things is that, because we, Don, you and I talked about this, I think with, with Vincent, when we had Vincent Truman on a couple weeks ago. The, the interest in comedy of being absurd like now, like there's like this movement of the absurdity. Uh, do you think that after or during and after World War One, it was like we have to make things absurd, like Dada? We have to do this to just like release ourselves from the absurdity of the reality that we're living in, the absurd reality we're living in, of what a world war. What because World War One, like to us now, it's like eh, whatever. World War Two, whatever. But at the time, it was brand new kind of warfare. It was the world, not just a few little tribes or nations. You know, so I would say I would say that that in World War One, which was a massive global war, a world and, war, even yeah, world war, and it was, and the response <laughs> was the response was artistically, I think, in Congress with that with that horror. The response was like appropriate and appropriately jarring and disruptive enough. Now, on the other hand, what we have lived is in comparison to World War One, you would think that today's 25-year-olds survived four years of Donald Trump, and that was somehow worse yeah. than World War One. So that I think I think well, the, jo- the joke, relative. the absurdity is more our reaction to the reality rather than our reaction to actual reality. But, the, but that's that's it, it, all things are relative. I've been I've been thinking about this. Like, I've, been, I've been trying to uh, consume 90s music now, like like music of my teenage years in a different way, different. So like Alanis Morissette that I was everywhere in when I was a teenager, but I didn't consume it because it wasn't for me. You know, that was for girls and stuff, right? Sure. Not, not true, but that's the way I perceived it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm consuming Nirvana for, for the first time, like actually putting it on my plate and consuming it rather than just having it pass by and like, oh yeah, I'll take a bite of that. And it's all very, uh, I, it's it's different now because I'm looking at like a lot of the and, and other and other bands in the way too like the, but the, the political things of the 1990s like 1994 yeah. to 1998 let's say just those four years yeah and there's a lot of political punk because I was listening to a lot of punk music I was I was discovering punk 95 is about when I kind of dove into that era or th- that that genre of music and or that kind of that kind of art generally. 1995, 94, 95, there wasn't, there was no war. 
like the Cold War was done. We we beat Russia. They're done for. Fast forward 25 years, whatever. Right. <laughs> you know, but there was still this like this visceral artistry and like New York was getting cleaned up at the time. So there was like the crack epidemic was going away or being pushed into corners. Yeah. But there was all these other things happening. And I, I, I guess what I'm asking is if we look at today, like, are we reacting to today of what's like happening in the media or are we, or is the reaction more subdued? Like, I think a lot of the, the, the punk and grunge artistry that came out of that music and art, sculpture, painting, whatever else. Yeah. Theater, of course. Um, was that even a question? Does that make sense what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, like I'm, I, I'm still it, trying. Like this is like daily. Like today I was having a serious thought about this with myself. And I, I'm not sure how to ask the question or like what the question. No, I, yeah, because I ask a very gotcha. specific question that I didn't get an answer for. And then yeah, we you're got to I'm Like a non-question diatribe i'm getting there but i'm I'm going to i'm going to an actual teacher who understands art not someone who's like i was a teacher and i taught and when you and when you you provide him the answer he'll be venmoing you some adjunct professor money which is like six bucks yeah yeah no less than that much less yeah Uh, (laughs) no what i'm saying is uh there are two answers to the question basically and I, I wish I could give a, I, I, I genuinely wish that I had a better answer than this. I, I just don't I have wish I had a genuine better question. No, no, no. It's a great question. But like going back to, to answer both questions, both yours and Don's. Um, yeah. The days of, of, of the, the gritty, dirty, you know, I used to sleep in theaters in Chicago overnight, you know, uh, uh, and those days are gone. And in many ways, that's good. And in many ways, that's bad. Uh, yeah. I, I just feel that it's, a lot of my students and myself included, and I'm pushing as hard as I can to not be this way, but a lot of us are afraid of our own shadows right now. And yeah, totally. we're afraid yeah, of yeah. the targets of, on our backs. Uh, you know, I, I certainly feel a target on my back on a pretty regular basis because I'm vulnerable. I need this job. I can't, you know, push, push it too hard because if I go too far, or even if I go out and do work outside of where I, I you know, I, you know, outside of the university, and I even go where to go to Vegas, and because I'm only two hours from Vegas, and you know, I could go do something there that's really, really wild. You know, if it got if wind of me, but if they heard about it, right? Yeah. So what are the targets? I'm curious. What are the targets? Because you said you feel like you have a target on you and the students, and I understand it. So tell me what 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 the consequence, other than losing your job, obviously, is that? Do you think that is? So have you seen that? I mean, because what I read was there are about 20,000 employed, you know, uh, collegiate professors in the country. I mean, roughly, that's a rough figure, but that was the numbers I saw. And then they have this spreadsheet that's out with about 115 professors that have legitimately been canceled, that they, they, they said the N-word or they put the N-word in a test or they said something about Oleana or there was an anti-trans perspective that they, or a pro-biology, however you want to look at it kind of thing. Yeah. And they ended up getting uh, mobbed and fired. It's about a hundred. So really that's a tiny percentage. I'm sorry. Of, that's fine. Okay. That's a tiny percentage of the professors. So the question is, okay, yes, we, I think we can say it exists that professors are getting just shit canned for bizarre cultural reasons, but probably not that many. So my question is how, how real is the target that you feel and how much of that is just sort of like paranoia? Because if your students are feeling it and you're feeling it, then who's going to be the one that gets you if they, if they're, I mean, are they going to be the one that get you or somebody else going to cut? You know what I mean? Well, my students all love me, but all it takes is one. You know well, I mean? There you go. It's that one. Yeah. It's that yeah. unknown one. Yeah. A, a nice, loud one that doesn't like you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I'm a pretty anxious guy. So I say a lot of it, I would probably say it's probably the majority of it is probably anxiety, but a lot of that is my perception of the world. You know, having been an artistic director of, you know, for 16 years, it was like, you know, I was always afraid of saying the wrong thing. And I did have to put out a lot of, of major, major online shit that got out of control pretty quickly. And I had to get in front of the message, you know, before it got too 
to wild. You know what I mean? So at the Birmingham Children's Theater, it's the nation's second oldest professional theater for young audiences. Uh, but anyway, I was there and um, we were doing a production of a, a musical and uh, there was a uh, it was a new musical, uh, fairly new. And we ha- one of the composers came down from Chicago and loved what we did so much that he decided to um, lay down, um, um, use our cast as the cast recording, which was pretty exciting. Right. We, we were really excited to have that uh, be a part of it. So one of the actors um, had to go back to Atlanta um, and this actor was African-American. Now, here's the problem with this African-American actor uh, is that I didn't have any housing for this actor at this time. So I was not able to bring this actor back. Housing is one of the big banes of my existence as an AD, uh, trying to house people and figure out where to put them. So, you know, so we had already moved on to the next show. So I had to stick with local actors. That's the only people that I had. And the actor in question also wasn't that good of a singer. That's the other problem. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure that this, uh, uh, that we knew that this composer was a real stickler for being uh, on pitch. So anyway, what we did, I screwed this up. I fully admit that I screwed this up. Uh, what we did is I simply just replaced that actor with the director of the show who happens to be a white woman. <laughs> and uh, then that actor got and it went crazy. I mean, I was called the worst possible things on Facebook all over the internet and, and people had never met me before. And I just got on, got in front of it and said, listen, this was my fault. What I should have done before all of this happened is I should have contacted that actor and said, listen, we're not going to be able to do this for this reason. And I, I dropped the ball, you know, but I was also producing 12 shows a year. You know, I was doing the best that I could, you know, and, 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 yeah, it, it, I mean, so I dropped the ball, but it was not that a mistake. Sort of well, yeah, it'll terrify the shit out of you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's weird. Yeah, no, it's it's weird. There, there is a. I mean, part of the reason that I don't write as much as I used to is because I have an idea and I start to sit down and I, and I start to type and I'm like, oh fuck, what will my wife think? And that will oftentimes immediately shut me down. Wow, which is stupid. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, you, 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 it's interesting or, that you bring that up because one of the things that I'm, uh, uh, you know, and I know Brandon, you know this, that I'm kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm no longer working for this one uh, company in, in, in the copywriting and I'm looking for other gigs. And in that process, I spend a, a more, I won't say a lot, but I spend more time on LinkedIn than I used to looking at jobs, looking at the people that are doing it. And I got to tell you, the only people that I think I would have less interest in being in a fucking dinner party with than like improv actors, it would be a, a group of copywriters hungry for copywriting experience and jobs because what oh. Uh, oh. what a, a massive amount of fucking corporate speak bullshit. And, and honestly, that's the thing. What you say, David, is right. But I kind of went the other direction. It's like, I went, oh, what will my wife think? What will a potential job think? What will, well, fuck you. I'm going to say what I want to fucking say. Yeah. And my mom, I just told it. my mom said, yeah, you sometimes have a hard time getting jobs because of some of the things that you've written over your course of your life. And I went, mom, in 30 years, I've been unemployed for a cumulative 11 months. So I'm pretty sure I'm not having a problem getting hired because of the shit I've written, because the amount of shit I've written should have me completely canceled in any pot. The only thing I, I, before Trump, I would have said I couldn't run for office. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but here, I mean, here's the thing is I, I don't, I don't not write things because of what my wife thinks, but it's like this, this, as we get older, it's like, yeah. Well, my wife think, what will, how my job perceive me? How my students perceive me? How will, the future employer perceive me and it's hard. And you, I, I, I try and I don't always succeed to push through that. Be like, I don't fucking care what my wife thinks. I don't care what my mother-in-law thinks. I don't care what my mom thinks. I don't care what my employer thinks. They fucking hired me. They knew what they were getting into. Here's my website. Fuck off. There's literate. Eat a bag of dicks and go fuck yourself or don't come along and jump on board and enjoy the party. But there's, there's this weird like safety world that some people live in that some artists live in. And I felt like 
John Mulaney was one of them for a long time, and he got cast out for some reason. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's not. I feel like there's no, he left there's his no safety. He left his wife and knocked up Olivia Munn. Yeah, yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, I think yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. But why yeah. should we? He's still funny. That's that's right. between him, his wife, and Olivia Munn. Like, well, so Bill, David, so is Bill Cosby. He's David. Annie Hall is Annie Hall is still no. a brilliant film. Annie Hall is still a brilliant film, and I stand by Annie Hall. Absolutely. Manhattan gets weird, but it's still we a good movie. This. I know, but it's still a good movie. I don't think Manhattan's that good of a movie. Well, I mean, it's not a great movie, about, but it's people talk about Manhattan as if it's his masterpiece. Those are New York fucking assholes that are just like, oh, New York, and they jerk off on their own tits about New York, and they try to shape the Twin Towers that, on their own titties. Can I? Jerk can I? Can I just have I have no, to, I have hang to, on. I have I'm to, not done. No. Oh, no, Jesus no. Christ. You're gonna, just wait. Get to You're the point. I'm you meandering point. motherfucker. I'm getting to the point that there's a safety space. And I thought John Mulaney was one of them. And I think Neil Simon is another one. So when we talk about theater, like Neil Simon feels like, and I, I love Neil Simon. And I have to find a person who, I know he's dead. But his work continues to get, and sure. he just died. Like he died, what last? It wasn't year? long ago. It was Not that long ago. Yeah. Neil Simon made it through the meat. Yeah, he era. was doing a podcast and had a heart uh, attack. Yeah, good for <laughs> That's him. True? Aspire yeah. to be him. Oh, okay, <laughs> I made that up. It's like Neil Simon feels like one of those like really safe. Uh, playwrights or safe yeah. theater guys and i wonder is is he safe or is are we just forgetting or is he clever enough like mammoth hasn't been totally canceled yet I, oh he's totally what? safe yeah i mean well man uh, don't, i don't know if if anybody is totally safe now here's what i'll say and this is and then it's, it, there, there is a trans there is i i have a second i do want to answer your get... question for about the students though i do want to answer that question. okay because well this yeah. i think this will this will this will get into uh I, allow you that but one of the things i'm gonna say is talk about the new york high society and and woody allen um in chicago i got hired to direct the woody allen play god and it all takes place in Manhattan and it has references to Queens, all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, I, I got in. Yeah. Well, I get yeah, right. What a shock. So what I did was, and it was a simple thing. It's like, you know, I directed it, but I changed the script, of course, without asking, because who gives a fuck about a small off loop black box theater Right. So I changed I changed all the references to New York to Chicago and all the references to Queens you? to like Schomburg because of it was course. more local and it would be funny. That makes and, sense. And one of the critics <laughs> got so fucking pissed off that I Fuck had the off. effrontery to change the name of the Woody Allen vaunted. So I thought that was funny. But here's the question. And then, and then I'll give you let's give yeah. Brandon some time, because one of the things that I was thinking was like with the rash of as we're talking about professor there's firings over using problematic terms or ideas that one kid that's highly offended. How do you police the, 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 the plays, you know, the authors, the, 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 the playwrights, how do you police that so that you're not, you know, cause we're in a place right now where where kids are, are offended by, like you said, I guarantee you somebody is going to be offended by a Neil Simon play. I don't know who that kid is. And when I find out who that kid is, I'm, I, I really want to beat them like to death with a board and put them in a like bonfire. However, there's bound to be that fucking kid. So how do you, as a professor teaching the history of theater, working on plays, how do you police that? Uh, well, okay. Uh, I'm going to answer that by answering the question from before. I, I, I do think, by the way, before I forget that, yes, students are more, Young people are more tentative and and conservative. I don't mean that politically, um, uh, but um, but at the same time, they're facing things that we did not have to face. Uh, a lot of my students work 30, 40 hours a week and they go to school full time and then they do shows. And so they are overwhelmed and a lot of them are, fa are facing a lot of 
trauma that we didn't have to face, like, you know, such as all the social media bullying and stuff like that, which we didn't have to face. And again, Hey, I got bullied. I got bullied like crazy, but it was all in person. It was like right, yeah, I get that. That's, that's easy that's, to say. Dude, dude what you, you just described college, <laughs> I had to work 30 hours a week. I had full-time classes. I was in the marching band, the jazz band, the fucking symphonic band. I was doing shows, you know, the, 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 saying that they have to work and go to school does not make them either unique or different than other. The only thing you said that makes students different from my upbringing is the whole social media thing. And the difference between that is social media. You have 50 people calling you names. In my reality, you had three beating the shit out of you behind a bar. So, yeah, well, you're awesome. Yeah. yeah and of course, yes. And of course, you are. Uh, a good uh, point, Don. It's a fair point. I did not work full time. I worked uh, part time in college. I did not full. I worked full time in the summers, but I didn't work. Uh, well, technically, twenty nine hours is part time. I worked about twenty hours a week. But yeah, because yeah. twenty nine, anything over twenty nine, they have to give you benefits. So, how do I police this, the plays? Yes. Uh, it's kind of a nightmare um, because <laughs> uh, no, it really is. It really is because if I'm teaching theater history. And they give me two semesters, two semesters to go from the ancient Greeks up until 2022. What do I do? Do I choose the truly great plays that are predominantly written by white men? Or do I choose, uh, do I make sure that I go, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of truly great plays that are not written by white men. Don't get me wrong. August Wilson for Pete's sake. You know what I mean? Uh, those are truly great plays. Um, um, or Lorraine Hansberry with Raisin in the Sun, that sort of thing. But like, but if I, you know, a lot, what's really very much in vogue now is rather than teaching King Lear, you should teach, teach young Jean Lee's version of Lear. Mm -hmm. You rather than teaching, uh, I don't know, um, rather than doing Death of a Salesman, for example, Death of a Salesman, which is considered the great American play, right? I don't yeah. think anybody's yeah. going to disagree with that. Uh, swap it out with something by. Uh, Susan Laurie Parks or something like that, which, you know what I mean? And so the question is, what do you do? And I genuinely have these, these young people's best interests at heart. Yeah. So I want to make sure, yeah. and again, most of my students are women. So I really want to make sure I get a lot of women. Uh, that's the most important thing mm. is that women. Nice. Are, get a lot uh, of women. All right, man. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what you too. Out. So I make sure I got some Sophie Treadwell in there. I got some Lillian Hellman. <laughs> I get that stuff in there, but you know, you go far <laughs> enough back and you're not, they're all going to be white men. They're just going to be a bunch of white dudes. You know what I mean? And so the question is, what do I do? And honestly, every single semester, uh, I, I ask myself this question and uh, I, I know I come in with a list of plays and I know every single time I fail uh, at, at doing what is best for the students but trying to squeeze in what 2,500, 20, yeah, 2,500 years of, of, of one of the world's oldest art forms um, uh, in maybe the world's oldest art form for that matter uh, in two semesters. And then also try to do the, the, make the correct, the politically correct or woke choice and make sure they're getting the right, the education that they deserve. I, I it's, it's enough to make that's, your, your that's brain tricky. Work. Yeah. Cause the history yeah. of theater, it, that syllabus arguably grows with every passing year. Absolutely. New plays are being written. Society changes. We react to that. We, pref we, that is uh, expressed through theater, through art. Yeah. I don't want your job. I'm glad you have it. <laughs> I yeah, love well, it. I the solution to all of this is to say, fuck all that. And fucking put it, you know, balls <laughs> to the wall and do the best possible work you can and fuck everybody who has a problem with it. That's and, the to, and to paraphrase William Shakespeare, Susan Laurie Parks, are you fucking kidding me? Hey, Susan Laurie Parks is a great playwright. She but. sucks. Are you kidding me? She wrote fucking can soup can labels and called them shows. I saw some of that shit. She's a fucking, she's a sham. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I just, I, I think what's great is that uh, Brandon is fighting the good fight. He is. For the benefit of the future. And 
I believe it's, it's a, it's a selfless future. Well, yeah, I mean, this is corny as shit I get, way. but he is, it, it's, it's, it's corny, but it's true. And it's, it's beneficial because, because what is a teacher, teacher's job and what is theater's job if not me. to inform and, and help influence the future? I believe and I can fly. And, and his, his efforts. I believe I can touch. You just switched to R. More Kelly. For the R. Benefit. Kelly is canceled. Goddamn right he's, he is. He's doing, yes. He's doing more for society than any of our elected officials in our future. Yeah. Than, I mean, he's really making, and he's making a thoughtful effort. So Brandon, I do applaud you. And, you know, well, thanks for doing the shit that I don't, that I wanted to do at one point to teach. I thought about doing that, but it's like, nah, let some other fucking bonehead do that. And I know Don wants to that move bonehead. on, but I have one thing I wanted to add. One of my students, uh, I we was teaching Death of a Salesman, and I said, this is considered the great American play. I mean, that's, people can disagree, but, it, yeah, most, but that, it's, yeah, that's a standard. And, and she said, this is the yeah. best we can do. And I said, well, in the 40s, <laughs> 50s, and 60s, yeah. <laughs> So in the 40s, I mean, okay, she's she, not the she best a, we could do, but it is a standard of, okay, yeah. Yeah. Right. So the 40s, 50s, and 60s, we were churning out great play after great play. We've got Tennessee Williams. We've got all like the real heyday of the American musical theater period. You know, all these great things are coming out all at the same time. Eugene O'Neill is Long, Day, Long Day's Journey into Night is coming out. Like all these things are happening. And then I said, well, when, when was the last great American play, whether you think it is or not. And they're like, well, I guess the last one we can think of is Hamilton. And I'm not oh a my God. mega fan. Oh, I'm not a mega fan. Oh, my Hold God. On. Hold the oh. fuck on. Oh so I'm not saying it's, I don't, I, I saw it. It's a Bel Air. Fuck off. Hang on. Hang I on. Saw it. Hang on. I Hang saw on. it and I was <laughs> underwhelmed. But that right. said, the consensus is that it's a great American musical. Which is what's wrong? Now here's the thing. That was that was eight years ago. Eight years ago, in the 40s and 50s, you can see big old posters up in uh, on Broadway of Streetcar Named Desire and Death of a Salesman playing at the same time. (laughs) You know what I mean? So we don't have that anymore. We have one thing that we're hanging on to. From eight years ago, and it's so lame and so crusty now that Disney has put it on TV. It was it's lame so and crusty bad. at the set. It was bad then. It's I mean, so I, I have my issues, but I've like I've <laughs> oh said. My God. Can I just I've, say, like, there? I'm, I'm so fucking happy that there are three of us now, not just two of us. Yeah. Because before Brandon, before before this very moment, there were just two of us that did not like the show. We were the only ones in the world. That at it's least would all admit bad. it. Now there's three. No, it's all bad. We're the only no, two that would admit it. We would admit it. I think lots of people hate it, but we're the only two that would admit it that it was a piece of shit. I, I saw it, and then the, the, the I, I I saw it back in 2015 or 2016, something like that. And I, re- I remember my friend Brad was like, uh, "Before you go, I just want I, I'm curious to see what you really think because because uh, uh, I was in town that 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 he was like, I want to see if you think that it's really deserving of the hype. And then the next day, I said. I don't really think it's deserving of the hype. He's like, good. I, I'm glad that you uh, think that. It's it, it wasn't. Uh, yeah. It's not the first. It's not the first hip hop musical. It's not no. the first musical about a president. And it's not in. It's you not know? a hip hop musical because it is Schoolhouse Rock meets <laughs> the Fresh Prince of fucking Bel Air. This isn't if if hip hop. If the height of hip hop was fucking kid in play. You know, if that's the darkest hip hop you can have, then you can call it a hip hop musical. It is not a hip hop musical. It is a it is a slightly uh, Lin Manuel, whatever his name is, is just this far from being the whitest Latino in life. I want to see a well, Biggie Smalls musical. That's what I want to see. On. Here's the thing: <laughs> is that with all due respect, and I know what you're saying, Don, but with all due respect, I don't think you mean to insult Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> Schoolhouse Rock is fantastic because it is because Schoolhouse it's Rock true. is great and Hamilton is not great. Hamilton yeah. is fine. It's underwhelming. It's just it's, it's okay. It's fine. It's certainly yeah. not better than Death of a Fucking Salesman. No, no. I mean, but the last great American play is probably Angels in America. Honestly, it's probably the last truly great American play. I will and give that you was that. Thirty fucking years ago. Yeah, thirty <laughs> years ago. Holy shit. And now, gang, it's Rorschach of the news. 
All right, here we go. The first Warshak is Jason Van Dyke. I don't know who that is. Jason Van Dyke was the Chicago police officer who shot and killed Laquan McDonald. He shot him oh, 16 okay. times. Oh, this is oh, what okay. caused in 19. That was if you'd 20th. said Laquan McDonald, we know how to say his name. Yeah. Okay. So Jason Van Dyke was released per his sentencing. Three years later, he's released. And now the family and activists uh, want him to be charged federally on federal charges to put his ass back in jail. So Jason Van Dyke, the cop who murdered a teenage kid with extreme prejudice thoughts. I think if they wanted him to, to, the thing about it is it's here's what I'll say. This is uh, what I find interesting is you've got the, uh, the concept that the family of uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, they had the hate crime. One of the things that was very interesting about, the request is that one of the reasons that the family wanted uh, these men to serve time in state prison rather than federal prison, they didn't want to do a federal trial because they thought that state prison in Georgia was just shittier than Rubber, it would be in yeah. federal. And, and okay, I understand that, but that's no longer an about ass justice. Versus, that's a, versus an ass raping. Yeah. yeah was, the thing is that's yeah. no longer about yeah. justice when you allow the, the sure. victims families to determine how severe the punishment is. The man has been, uh, and now whether we agree that his sentence was light. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. he has served his time for the crime that he committed and he's not working for the Chicago police. And, uh, yeah. Do I think that's great justice? No, but I also place that upon the initial trial and the initial sentencing and not on like, like, how many times can we try the guy over and over and over? How much time can he serve? Well, if you were to ask the family and you were to ask the activists, there is no amount of time that's appropriate. And so, mm-hmm. Let's just let's just get it over with and fucking shoot him with a bolt in the fucking head, and then okay. everybody can go. All right, there you go. Well, justice Time, has been done. That justice is not done. That's not how justice works, that's, man. That's revenge. That's uh, exactly what it is. That's my answer, Brandon Jason. I, I, I gotta confess that I don't really know much about this case. Um, so I I uh, I feel underprepared to have the discussion. I will say that, you know, I have the natural re-jerk re- knee-jerk reaction of like, oh yeah, uh, a cop did something wrong. I mean, I lived in Chicago for 10 years, so I had my run-ins with the Chicago PD, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and I wasn't too fond of them myself, but um, Oh, and they hate, know. they fucking hate you. They still talk about you. I got it's pulled over true. the other day and he was like, do you know Brandon Bruce? And I was like, uh, do you? And he goes, we all do. Next topic, number two, it's sanctions so against Russia. Let's talk about that. Sanctions don't work. Yeah. Sanctions against Russia. So from what I understand, it's they're, funny. they're trying it's to funny. attack. <laughs> sanctions like, don't Russia work. Like, sanction yeah. this motherfucker. Well, if you, if you look at the history of sanctions. Sanction my cock in your yeah. mouth. Yes. My cock in your mouth. If you look at the history of sanctions, the only thing that's ever worked is threat of sanctions, but actual sanctions have never actually accomplished. Look at Iran. The sanctions didn't do shit. I mean, all sanctions they're going to do is starve work. the poor more. That's all. Yeah, that's, that's it. Mean. You're just killing off the poor. I, I guarantee yeah. you, I mean, Putin's not going to miss I also heard that uh, Eastern Europe is going to be losing a lot of natural gas. Yeah. Because of this. Germany, Germany cut them off, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 So their, their natural gas prices are going to go through the roof in a big and, way. And if you know anything about the Russians historically, the worst thing we can do is make it really hard for them because that's when they get real shitty. Peace, oh, yeah. motherfucker, bring it on, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, you they're make they're the- built for this. They're built for this. Away. Take away my toilet paper. Give me more frozen rocks to wipe my ass with. I don't care. This is that's- what we were built for. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't think, I think, I think if you were to, if you were to, if you were to cut off new sanctions on San Francisco, they'd fold in two days. But oh, the God. Russians, the Russians are digging in, man. All right. The next thing is uh, <laughs> the Trumps in court. So Donald Trump, his dumb son, Jr., and his smoking hot daughter, Ivanka, oh my God. have been subpoenaed. She's, I don't care. I know. She's super I know, hot. But I would totally do terrible well, things. Whose daughter is she? Marla Maples? Is she Marla Maples' mm-hmm. daughter? 
Oh, okay. No, no, she's, no, uh, no, she's, uh, Ivana, Ivana. Ivana. Yeah, that's right. right. That's what's that the name game? that's exactly like her daughter is fucking idiots. Yeah. Jesus. Why the yeah, fuck? They really we... didn't, they really okay. didn't have a great, a great, no. uh, history of, uh, names for their Eric, Don Jr. I will be Ivanka. Baron, be Ivanka. Is Baron I will be Ivanka. The youngest. The same. Baron, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, these She's are some pretty, bad I'm names. Pretty, yeah. These are just bad names they came up. They couldn't be more creative. I mean, shit. At least so the three who kids. named their kid Apple? Who named their kid Apple? Was that uh Gwyneth uh Gwyneth? Oh, yeah, there you go. That's that's you know, that's better. Apple is better than Banka from uh YouTube or Yellow Coldplay, Park, whatever the fuck his name is. Whatever yeah. it is, yeah. All right. Um but yeah, so former president Donnie Trump, his dick his dick band brother uh or his dick his small dick son jr and something uh, to do with a dick yeah. hot daughter ivanka they've been subpoenaed and they yeah. have three weeks i think at the dropping of this episode two weeks now to show up in court and talk about how they fucking lied about all of their business dealings so well here's the problem is that two of the prosecuting the assistant prosecutors uh on the day of this recording um resigned because Bragg, who yeah. Bragg, who is the main prosecutor, is reluctant to bring Trump on onto the stand. He's reluctant to do so. There's a good chance that and this New York why? case against Trump is going to disappear. Um, I, have, I have a thought on that. I'll bring I want to hear. I want to hear Brandon's thoughts on on the idea before yeah. I throw uh, my theory in there. I, I hate to say it, but I've become so numb to Trump mm. and all of his yeah. doings. And I've been waiting for the day for this to be the thing that finally puts him down and it's not coming. It's just nope. not going to come. Nope. So uh, he has, especially now that he is a former president, you know, it, it's it, you, probably that reluctance is that I don't, they're so uh, afraid of, of bringing in a former president and, and what there since there's no president, no precedent for that, what to do with that? How does that, how does that work in a, in a court of law there? It's just, it's really, really messy. And so I, I I've been waiting for, I've been waiting every single day for the last, what, seven years now uh, for this yeah. guy to just yeah. for something to put him away. And this is, this, this is just, uh, I'm, I'm over it now. The only that's way it, he's going I, away, that's how I here's feel. My, it's, my plan is McRib. We need to just gift him so many fucking McRibs that he clogs his fucking heart and he has a fucking heart attack and then he dies and, and it will all be the fault of McRib and I will be, and I'll feel good about that because at least he'll die having America, America will a delicious pork sandwich. He'll be God in, damn it. He'll die in his all of his all of his all of his ancestors lived to be in their 90s. You know, they all had uh 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 what's the word uh uh dementia and that sort of thing, but they still lived to be in their 90s. You know what I mean? So that's in his genes. You know, unlike me, I'll be dead by the time I'm seven. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is the thing with Donald Trump is that because like you, Brandon, like I when the uh the grab by the pussy tape dropped, I was like, right. well, he's done, right? Like he's fucking done. Nope. No, and after that, I went. Well, nothing's going to stop. If that doesn't, nothing will. So all of this shit, I you know keep getting these like Apple News alerts on my phone and whatever. Yeah. Trouble for Donald Trump. Trouble for the Trump administration. Trouble for the Trump organization. Blah blah blah. Nope. Just stop saying it because it's not trouble for them. Yeah. It might be annoying. He is Teflon. They're Teflon. They are. I, I firmly believe, and I clearly cannot prove this, and nor can anybody else. Yeah that they are criminals, that they are fucking morons, but they are so good at either being criminals and or morons that we can't fucking actually bust them and send their asses to jail. We just can't. I have your great American play title. Arthur yeah. Miller could have written it, and it speaks to exactly what you're saying, David. The play is called The Paintings of George W. Bush. Jesus Christ. Fucking hell. All right, uh, the next thing. No. Honestly, I, I'm afraid not for uh, Trump's re-election in 24, which will happen. Um, I'm not. I'm afraid not for that. I'm afraid for what comes after Trump. I'm afraid of the extreme pendulum swings that we're facing in the country. That when the left comes in, the left is going to extreme. You have an ex very extreme uh, uh, swing to the left. 
and then a very extreme uh, swing to the swing to the right. And I think that, you know, I, I genuinely think that Donald Trump is our Boris Yeltsin. I don't think that he is. Our, I think he's our Boris Yeltsin. I'm holy shit. That's a that's really good. Holy fuck. I and, think he's our. There's Bruce a Bruce. lot of similarities between those guys. Oh, he's too. Right? Yeah. He's yeah. Drunken he's our, fucking wait. morons. Oh wow, that's he's a our great buffoon wannabe dictator uh, that is just paving the way for the real sinister motherfucker that is out there. We don't know who it is yet. Could be his daughter even, but there's somebody. It's it's there. Oh, so yeah. I'd be all right though. with the dictator. I'd be all right with the dictator that <laughs> so I can jerk hot. off to, right? I could if I could jerk off to the dictator. That I don't. Right, yeah, I mean, give me something. I don't care if this is misogyny. I don't care. I don't fucking care. Ivanka Trump, her brain sucks. She, but look, guys, she's kind of hot, and and look who she married. Tell me that I'm not her type. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Number four. Yeah. <laughs> Number four. Uncombable hair syndrome. <laughs> you got me on that. All right, you guys. Listen to this. So... Listen to this shit. Listen to this shit. <laughs> My brain is exploding. Toddler diagnosed with rare uncombable hair syndrome. <laughs> so there's a 16th month old. Uh, this kid, Lock Samples is his name, which is fucking like frankly he deserves a bad head of hair with a name it's like that it's better than donald jr or ivanka so it's, you gotta give him some lock it's lock not samples. it's all right it's, sorry it's not at least it's, it's already name for somebody with lock hair. sample locks locks of your hair you I, you're right. just asking for it can i it's ask like a Raleigh question fingers can i ask Hi, a question I'm, that's I'm gonna get me canceled samson look at my beautiful hair that can't be yeah. combed fuck off so yeah. so hold on so lock samples can i ask a question that's gonna get me canceled probably what ethnicity would say would said child with uncombable hair be god you fucking racist son of a bitch <laughs> i'm just saying it's an question it's an important question it's an important question because if he's got like really thin straight hair but you can't comb it right. that's yeah. like freaky that's like that's right. like harry potter weird i mean you know yeah. but if he's got a major part of the culture but if yeah. he's yeah but if he's but if, he, no, but if he's fine. got like really curly kinky hair i mean if he's a kinky jew and he's got a jew fro as a kid then yeah that's a problem if he's black and he's got a fro that's okay that makes i don't know if that makes it uncombable here but keep going let me just say this as a kid who grew up as a jew and went to jewish summer camp i've never met a kinky jew in my life okay fair they're all like, don't touch my bra and stuff. 16-month-old <laughs> Lachlan Samples was born. He had jet black hair. Not too far off from his mom, Caitlin's color. But by the time he was six months old, that dark hair was replaced by with Caitlin and her husband, Caleb, affectionately called Peach Fuzz. Uh, this is definitely not black or Jewish. The peach fuzz, Caitlin's. No, I'm looking right. at a picture of him this right now. This kid is white okay. as fuck. Yeah, I'm gonna say all the all the signs. This is apparently. I didn't even have to see the kid to know that this was a white. He is of this all kid, of the, Caitlin, peach fuzz. Yeah, okay, keep going. That kid yeah. looks Rock crazy. Samples is one of just 100 known cases of the extremely rare syndrome, which makes his hair fragile, but leaves him otherwise unhealthy. Basically, the picture of this kid. His hair looks like he was um, like he just came out of the dryer without a, a, a lint. Yeah, a, yeah. A lint blanket. You know, like his hair was rubbed with a, a balloon. The balloon was stuck on the wall. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. I, I don't know. It. That's so weird. It's like he's Samuel L. Jackson, but just in, 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 in glass, except it's just his hair. It's just like when, when you think like as a parent, when you think. And Brandon, are you, you're not a parent. right? No, I just have a dog. <laughs> all right so think about your dog think about yeah. like if there was just something wrong with it you're like i cannot i cannot keep their penis from going in it's constantly red rocket constant yeah. red rocket and it's oh, not okay. prostate cancer it's not so it's horrible mean, like it's that a, it's just I, a see, thing where i went i can't get his penis to go in i, I uh, went right to like a porn dog butt. i'm like god oh, this is right don's butt yeah let's talk yeah, about who just going. got canceled there because david just misgendered my dog yeah, yeah. my dog is female thank you yeah. no no my dog my dog never mind I'm okay like, 
No, no, that's that's fair. And his no. dog, and his dog used Christian to name. be named Lock Samson, so you dead named him too. Her. No, that's yeah. that's fair. But let's they. say that your dog like didn't couldn't stop, like her nails wouldn't stop growing. Like you cut yeah. them and they kept growing. And it was just this, and it was painful for her because she couldn't walk and she couldn't touch things. And like, she made noises. It's like, oh my God, was that fucking sound in the dog park with the dog with the thing. And she tried to play catch and just couldn't have it. It was this horrible thing. And she's just like, I just, I just want to, it's hard. Well, sure. But that's her nails and that's how she moves around. But hair is just hair. You know, you can shave it off if you want. I guarantee you if, if, if a black family in Detroit claimed that their child had uncombable hair syndrome. That's what I'm looking for. There you go. They, Don. they would, they would that's, look at, they would look at them and go, what are you fucking it. nuts? Get a pick. That's what I was hoping somebody, one of you would say, but apparently one of our guests, perhaps the only one on the show right now is more because with this fucking dog. No, it's because I'm bald. No. I don't have any no. hair. <laughs> oh, poor you, you fucking degenerate. So here's the thing. <laughs> I found this story in in People Magazine. Oh, so, of God. course, because who reads People Magazine but white people with really good fucking hair? Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe Brandon with his beautiful, but your head is beautifully shaped. So, I, well, I have a good it is. shape. He does have, he does, a, he has a dome. Like, I could, not, has I could not go bald. My head looks like the moon on fucking fire. But Don, Don yeah. knew me back when I was. Uh, I knew I was when, an when he had hair. Young man with hair, and I was thin. Guys, we all used to, we all have a. Oh, I was we thin. All were better. Yeah, I know. I didn't say you were it, thin. It was time. just like, I was trying to picture you with your hair, and, and then you said attractive, and I'm like, ah, okay, all right. You know. <laughs> yes, this this uncombable <laughs> hair syndrome strikes me as a very white America yeah, thing. Yeah, they're, they're yep, just, yeah. Just it's like give me a break. Yeah, definitely yeah. born to someone named Caitlin. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. The next thing, the amazing Jonathan. Oh yeah, I heard about. That's a tragedy. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah, I was just thinking about him the other day. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad he was here, and I'm sad that he's gone. I mean, you know, that's just. And I can't wait for. I can't wait in like two years. The, uh, like you know, the people, the people, uh, me too edition where they you know like have all kinds Mm. of fucking shitty dirt about this really wonderful guy. Yeah. They had plenty of time to do that. I think that, and there's a documentary about him that brings a lot of shit to light. So, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a bummer. bummer. My, my my brother's a magician, like an actual magician. He lives in Las Vegas. I don't think he knew Jonathan, but certainly inspired by him. Uh, my dad and I had a great. My dad came to visit me when I was living in Las Vegas years ago. Jonathan was in town or he, he had, a, he had a show rather. And I had tickets. So we went like, Oh, you just knew him as Jonathan. Well, of course yeah. you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you don't need. Oh, so you were close enough that you don't need the amazing part. You just, just call him Jonathan. No, I, I called him by his first name. Just amazing. Yeah. He was always amazing to me, but yeah. Like, but I mean, here's like, he, he really was a, an interesting at the, at the time that he was coming up, like in the nineties, like he was a fucking weirdo and a genius and an, uh, an art tour. I mean, like an art tour art, art, wait, wait, is that the word? Art, art tour. There's an odd tour. I don't know what an art tour is. Unless it's the one that your, 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 your semi-retarded child goes on when he, has to go to the park. I've been he goes hearing the, you talk about and he goes on the art tour for a while. I don't think it's no. Okay. The thing is, the thing is, like I say about Harry, <laughs> Thank is, you, Harry, Harry had a he very says. interesting, and I think this is kind of common with children, but he had a very interesting, like retarded phase because he's now speaking in sentences and gets jokes, so he's sure. less. So he's like, I mean, when he was like one and couldn't, when he was like one, he spitting up and stuff, totally retarded. So he's getting out of that now. And crap in his pants. I mean, that's <laughs> right. Dude, what this, kid, this kid wipes his ass better than I do. Let me just See, say that. Said, he's go. He is. He is. He is graduating out of retardedness, and this is good. Yeah. Now he'll just be stupid. We're just wait, 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 wait. How, David, yeah. yeah. How have you done a test to compare your wiping abilities versus your son's? Like, and you're talking about wiping his ass. David uses. 
So, David uses what, a bidet. Is, he doesn't even know how to wipe his ass. He no, uses a bidet. This is a really great question, though. <laughs> What's the control? Yeah, yeah. The control is me. <laughs> okay. How many wipes it takes for me to get his ass? And he's wiping his own ass now a lot of times. I'm sometimes like, let me check you based on the time that he spends in the toilet. Like, is it a, is it a mud butt? Is it a dry shit? No problem. Is it a ghost poop? Like all these things. I'm the control. Okay. Compared to me, and I'm not good with my butt. Like my my shit's a fucking mess. Yeah, I have Crohn's disease. Me too. So yeah, I, right. That yeah, really I, any problem with mine. And just Crohn's, like I, I will spray my ass with the with the with the bidet for ten minutes, and I still have you know three pounds of shit to clean up. And you said there were no kinky Jews. All right, Simeon cohort. Here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. Guys, it's a watch. Go to Hulu. Watch the untitled Amazing Jonathan documentary. Guys, it gets weird. It gets sad. It's it gets fucking it gets unfortunate. But God bless the artist. Yeah. All right. There you go. Um, my first thing um, is a watch. Also, it is uh, the prequel to the Matthew Vaughn Kingsman movies it is the king's man starring rafe fines and a host of other really good actors it's uh it is not what you expect and given that we you know we talked a little bit about uh, world war one earlier in the thing this is very world war one um it's a lot of fun it's a lot smarter than i expected it to be and so i thoroughly enjoyed it and it's nice to see rafe fines in a role that's you know he's just he's not a snake guy He's not a Nazi. He's just a British dude that kicks ass. And that was fun. Is it on to me now? It is on to you. Uh, okay. you I have a feeling that one or both of you are going to jump down my throat for this one. But it's uh, a watch. as long as it's not watching Hamilton. If it's watching Hamilton, I'm coming to Utah <laughs> five minutes to beat your ass. Okay, go ahead. It's a watch and it's on Netflix and it's a film called Big Bug. Oh, I want to see that. And it's gotten really kind of eviscerated by uh, the reviews. It has? Oh, I had no yeah. idea. I, I just heard Except that. Except for I, the national review of all places. Yeah. I, heard, I, heard, <laughs> ah, I heard the synopsis and I saw a trailer and went, oh, I got to watch this. So well, it's directed by uh, Jean-Pierre Junet, the guy who directed Amelie, who's a brilliant yeah. director. And, and I... Loved it. It's super quirky. It's, about, it's a French sci-fi comedy about an AI takeover of the world with older outdated ai who just want to be human and these older outdated ai team up with the humans so that they can beat the new ai this sounds like a great movie yeah it's really i mean you know seriously don't take it too seriously you know have fun with it it's a good fun movie yeah all right very good it's a whimsical hoot it's a whimsical hoot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very whimsical, whimsical. <laughs> um, the next thing is a read it's uh, it's in the Atlantic it's in the uh, blah, 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 March 2022 issue the, the headline is it's your friends who break your heart the older we get the more we need our friends and the harder it is to keep them by Jennifer Senior you know I, I recommended that last week right huh. is that the one you recommended yeah, because there's like four stories in this particular issue that I recommend. Yeah, I, that, no, I, that I mean, I, I recommend. Yeah. yeah, that's the one I recommended last week. Well, then you know what? Double down on that shit. There you go, because it's worth it. It's, yeah, oh yeah, it's good. Yeah, I wondered. Yeah, I'm not gonna throw that. another one out there. Uh, watch Space Force on sure. Netflix. No. no, I didn't think Space Force was funny. Anyway, my third second thing. All right, we'll talk about that next. <laughs> yes, my second thing is from Vanity Fair. And talking about we were, and it's funny how we got into this. How we were talking about Neil Simon could never be canceled. This is uh, from Vanity Fair. Jerry Lewis's co-stars speak out. "Quote: He grabbed me. He began to fondle me. I was dumbstruck." It's by Julie Miller, Amy Ziering, and Kirby Dick. It is women first interviewed by the directors behind Alan B. Farrow say the comedy icon sexually harassed and in at least one case sexually assaulted them with impunity. A special collaboration, including a mini documentary between Vanity Fair 
and the filmmakers. This article makes Jerry, I mean, and maybe it's not like the article makes it, but this exposes him to be just like the, the Harvey Weinstein of his day. I mean, he was a scumbag. So, oh, and the last thing. Me. So it's a listen. Uh, I, I, you know, I moved to Utah uh, about a little over less than a year ago, and I'm experienced a great deal of culture shock being surrounded by the uh, the LDS folks. You know, which is, it's it. In case you didn't know, Mormon is considered a slur. Um, uh, well, I know that's what, why. What the fuck? That's why I go whenever right. I drive through Utah. I roll down my Prius window. I go fucking Mormons. And then, you know, do a Sig Heil, because why not? So you're supposed why to say fuck LDS. Why would you do that? <laughs> that you're a member of the Church of Latter-day... The Church of... Yeah, Latter-day Saints. Uh, yeah, the Church of... I don't of like Christ Mormons, Christ. David. So Mormon, so anyway... I know, but Mormon, I... Okay. So I wow. listened to a podcast uh, called... Uh, the, the name of the podcast is called Unfinished. But the name of sounds like sounds like my wife after sex. There you go. <laughs> uh, but the yes. name of the actual yeah. you know, volume of this podcast is called Short Creek. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. Which is which is which oh, is dude. which is the nickname of David Himmel yeah. during sex. <laughs> so <laughs> Wait, is this pointed? All right, here you go. So it, uh, you were saying it profiles an FLDS community, fundamentalist LDS community on the border of Arizona and Utah, and the major rift that occurred as a result of Warren Jeff's leadership so he was you might have heard about him he's the guy that had yes. many 12 13 year old 14 year old wives yeah. uh and he's now in prison but there's still lots of people in that community that still see him as their prophet so uh it's yeah. fascinating and it was put together by two women who themselves are mormon um grew up mormon so they are not um uh they they were very careful not to vilify or demonize anyone. It's a very, very well balanced podcast. And that, my uh, friends, is the show. Thank you, Brandon Bruce. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you back soon. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, I feel like Don, you and I have some things we need to work out. Oh yeah. I, I look forward to the next opportunity to get on here and say something I'll regret. So thank you. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.